Founder Space Startup Supercharge. I'm Captain Hawk, CEO of Founder Space, the leading global startup accelerator. I'm also author of the award-winning books Make Elephants Fly, Surviving a Startup, and The Five Horses. Captain Hoff here with the Founder Space Podcast. Today, we are going to talk about selling. And I have, as a guest, David Newman. And he has a new book, Do It Selling, coming out, which you're all going to have to read because this guy is a master at selling. And we're going to go into detail here with some questions about selling strategies. How do you sell? How do you sell for certain niches like professional services, he knows it all. David is also a podcast host. He is the CEO and founder of Do It Marketing. And David, welcome to the show. Captain, pleasure to be next to you in the chair. Well, I have a lot of questions for you. So let's start with your new book, Do It Selling. It's coming out in Q1 uh, 2023. Can you tell us a little about the book? Sure. So uh, when I wrote the Do It Marketing book, which is about 10 years ago, about one third of that book is about sales and selling. I had to sneak it in because as many of your previous guests who are also sales experts have shared, many entrepreneurs, many founders, they hate selling. They love the work of their work. They love their product. They love their service. It's like, can we just skip the sales part? Can we just make the sales part go away? Could someone else do that dirty, nasty bit? So you really have to sneak it in. So when you know people are doing their marketing, marketing, lead generation, prospecting, what happens when the dog catches the car? It's like, oh my God, uh, Steve, I, I got a live one. Somebody wants to talk to me. How do I not screw it up? So my definition, my distinction between marketing and sales, marketing is everything that happens up to the point of winning a initial conversation voice to voice, zoom to zoom, face to face, that initial conversation is the demarcation point because at that point we're in sales mode. So I figured that someone had to write a sales book for people who really, really hate selling. And, and that's what it is. And that's me. I hate selling. You know, we all have to do it. I hate it. And I am worried I'll screw it up. So tell me, what are some of the things well, I get, a, you know, I get the fish on the line. I don't want it to wriggle off. What are some of the things I can do to, to reel that fish in? Sure. Well, everything that we talk about in the Do It Selling book is really based on your come from, right? Your attitude, your, your emotional connection. You know this because you're a relationship guy. Uh, people buy from people that they feel connected to as a human being. So one of my early, early sales mentors said, David, you know, you're so concerned about being a good salesperson, because I was, I was like a ferocious student of sales training and sales mentoring and sales coaching. And he says, don't worry so much about that, about being a good salesperson, be a better person and you'll make more sales. Meaning ask more questions, stay in the conversation longer, ask things that you think might be, gosh, that's, uh, that's impolite, I'm being nosy. Uh, they might not wanna share that with me. If you run a sales conversation, like an interrogation, meaning rapid fire machine gun question after question, you are correct. No one's going to want to talk to you. If your come from is more like a journalist or more like an interviewer, 
and you've got genuine curiosity and genuine concern, and you really want to hold that prospect's interests above your own, whether they buy from you or not, whether they invest with you or not, whether they become a customer or not, uh, really getting to know them, their problems, their wants, their needs, their hopes, their dreams, their aspirations. So in the Do It Selling book, we literally have hundreds and hundreds of questions over these 77 micro chapters, what to say in the initial discovery conversation, what to say in the follow-up, how to dig, how to peel the onion back, how to find the issue behind the issue and the question behind the question. If your come from is 100% caring and concern and curiosity, people will love to engage with you. It'll be a sales conversation like they've never had before. If you do it like an interrogation, or like a desperate, spammy, you know, chaser, peddler, vendor, then guess how they're going to see you as a desperate, spammy, chaser, peddler, vendor. And that's not fun for you. And it's not fun for them. Absolutely. So I know what you're talking about. And you mentioned some keywords in there, caring, like you have to actually care that about them, about their business, about helping them, about helping them succeed. And I think coming from that position, is so vital in selling because like you said, people, they care about their business and they wanna work with somebody who, care, who, who cares about, who they feel cares about them and will help them get the best outcome. So let's talk, when you are doing that initial call, like you just, you know, you landed somebody on LinkedIn that you've been trying to get a hold of or, or, or email, um, how, what, walk me through some examples of the types of questions you would ask and how you would ask them. Absolutely. And Captain, I have to tell you, uh, you will love this chapter in the book because it's literally called Captain, We Have First Contact. Awesome. So, so I'm a huge Star <laughs> Trek fan. I'm a big sci-fi fan. I thought I, you I, named it after me. <laughs> well, I, I, I sort of did and I sort of didn't. But so let's let's talk about what happens on the call. The first thing that you need to do as a professional seller, and every entrepreneur and every founder is also a professional seller, uh, you set the ground rules. So people want process and they want certainty. So when you say, here's how I like to run these calls, during this conversation, I'm going to give you the four-part formula. During this conversation, we're going to talk about where your business or fill in the blank, where your career, where your organization is going. Number two, where you are currently. Number three, removing some roadblocks and obstacles that may be in your way. And then four, what other folks in your position have done to create success. So there's no strings. There's no gimmicks. This is still you talking. There's no strings. There's no gimmicks. I'm just here to give you two or three smart ideas you can use right away whether we decide there's a next step or not. So and I pause let, let me and I say, that. how does that sound? And they go, that sounds great. Because now I've lowered their shields to go back to the Star Trek analogy. And they're like, oh, this guy's here to help me. And notice the language. I say, whether we decide there's a next step or not. As soon as you say that, the pressure immediately goes down. And they're like, oh, this guy's not going to pitch me. He's not going to force me uh, into something that I don't want to buy. We're going to have a mature adult-to-adult -adult conversation. And then, of course, you start down your, your questioning path. And you, you mentioned something there that I wanted to jump into. And that is 
you are going to give them two or three good ideas. So you're starting out by giving them something. So psychologically, what this does, you're saying, I'm going to give you something and I'm not going to expect anything in return. But also, as we know, and psychologists have done many studies on it, there's a reciprocity uh, element in there where you, where if you give somebody, you actually help somebody out and you come up with some great ideas for them, then they're going to feel like they want to reciprocate for you. So that's, that's the lead into the next step. Now with these, when you're having this conversation, um, you said, uh, you know, no, you don't expect anything in return. You have to say that. So here's how I do it. Like when I sell, um, what I will do is I'll do the same thing. So I'll sit down with people. And a lot of times it's startups because I help startups and I I'll just help them. I will go through their business plan. I'll give them feedback, give them ideas because I, uh, you know, I want to help them first of all. And I want to figure out if their business is good and something I should invest. If their company isn't good, I don't want to actually commit to them or have them commit to me because, you know, there's no way I think they'll be successful. And I probably won't change that if they don't have a a really good business, but I will be happy to give them free advice. Um, But the one thing I don't do, and this is something you mentioned that you recommend, is I don't tell them uh, that they don't have to reciprocate. I just give. And then later, I will follow up and say, hey, would you like to take it to the next step? Now, how would you, what would you say to that approach? Yes, absolutely. So so you can do it that way. And this is just a personal style thing. And that's the other thing that really makes me crazy about so many sales books. So many sales books want you to parrot scripts. Yes. The do it selling book, I'm giving you frameworks and principles. And Steve is a perfect example. You need to mold these to your own personality and strengths and preferences. So you take that framework. You say, well, I'm just not going to say it that way. I'm going to say it a different way or it's going to come later in the conversation for me. It's all good. As long as it's a sales process that number one is effective and number two that you enjoy, you've got it dialed in. Well, perfect, because I do exactly what you say, and I just make that I'm not going to expect anything in return implicit in my, (laughs) in how I approach them. And so you do this. I think it's really good. Um, So what you're doing is the first step is you're laying out a roadmap for them, saying basically, we're, I'm just going to help you. I'm going to give you some ideas, some feedback, but in order to do that, I need to understand your business. So we're going to go through some questions so that I can actually provide some value and help you. And also along the way, what you gain, I think uh, what you're saying, what the person selling gains is a lot of information. Like Yes, they do, for sure. So you start to understand what they really need as opposed to what you think they need. So let's go to the next step with this. So the next step is we're starting the conversation. My second question, right after that first question that we gave folks, do you mind if during this call, I treat you like a fee paid client? And people go, oh yeah, that would be awesome. Or they say, well, David, what, what does that mean? And I say, thank you for asking. Here's what it means. I'm going to ask you some pretty deep questions. And I may interrupt. I may redirect. Just as if we had started our work together, I want to get to the heart of the issue as quickly as possible so this call can be as valuable as possible. Do I have your permission to treat you as if you're a client? Yes, that'd be great. So I'm number one telling them that this call is going to have value in a different way. Number two, I'm going to tell them, hey, when you do become a client, I'm not going to pull any punches. 
Uh, we're going to get right to it. We're going to uncover the BS. We're going to bust your self-soothing delusions. We're going to give you the roadmap, the plan, the, the GPS to get you where you want to go as fast as possible. Are you on board for that kind of experience? And just like you said, Steve, it's um, it's really about auditioning, right? Yes, we're helping them. Yes, we're giving value. Yes, we're giving them some light bulb moments. But we're also auditioning them. Number one, are they coachable? Number two, you know, is this someone that I want to do business with? You know, are they ready? Are they brave? Are they fast? Are they smart? Do they are do they have the intelligence that I want them to have? Do, do, do they have the action orientation that they need to have to be successful in your program, my program, et cetera? So helping is such a beautiful uh, audition process for your future clients that it truly is win-win-win. And then let me give you a couple more. Well, um, well before you do. I'm oh, going to sure. dive in there and say, this is beautiful because it's also analogous to freemium marketing. You mm. are literally giving them a, you know, freemium marketing is basically try the product out, <laughs> try it out, see if you like it. Yes. With you, you're a consultant. You're going to be advising them. You're saying, try it out. This is free. This is the, we're going to do exactly what we do when, when, when you're a paid client. So you could try it out. You can see how we work together. You'll get a feel for it. And that sets in their mind oh, okay, this is what I'm going to be getting when I actually work with David or whoever. Exactly. We're not trying to sell them the experience. We're trying to give them the experience. Yes. And then the choice becomes, do I want to continue? Right. Is this a good experience for me? Right. It's, it makes it much easier for them to make a decision. Now, let me talk about one of the deadly traps when we talk about ask a lot of questions. Yes. When we ask questions, there's kind of two general categories, right? There's me questions about what I want to sell. And then there's you questions about what you're going through and what problems you're trying to solve or what outcomes you're trying to create. Almost everyone goes into that first meeting after the dog catches the car and they ask me, well, David, what should I pitch? Should I bring my one pager? Should I bring my brochure? Should I bring my product sheet? Should I bring, and I'm like, oh, should I bring my pitch deck? No, 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 no. You should bring nothing. You should go in unarmed and you need to ask a ton of questions about them and don't ask you-centric or product or service-centric questions, ask th th them-centric, right? You-centric. So in other words, questions would include what they're going through right now when it comes to the problem areas that you fix, what their team wants, what their CEO wants, what their strategic initiatives are for the next 12 or 24 months. Why are those strategic initiatives the strategic initiatives? What has caused those to be the North Star, right? What are their urgencies? What are their priorities? What they're proud of? What they're worried about? What if it goes wrong? What if this project or this, this implementation goes wrong? You know, who stands to lose? What if it goes right? You know, who stands to win? Well, I'll get promoted and we'll get our second round of funding and it's going to be awesome. And the captain's going to be really proud of me. So, okay, that's what if it goes right. Where do they want to be when it comes to this problem 90 days from now, six months from now, and one year from now? Why are those outcomes important to them? How does that impact their numbers? And then what are those numbers specifically? What are the radiant consequences of those problems? Now, we don't ask about radiant consequences. Consequences, radiant consequences rather, are the consequences of the consequences. So now you're asking questions like, where else does that show up? How else does that show up? When else does that show up? Uh, who else is impacted by that? Where else does that have an impact financially? Where else is that impacting your sales? Where else is that impacting your funding? Those are radiant consequences. 
And then uh, this is how throughout that entire series of questions, and yes, folks, sorry, you're going to have to go back and re-listen to that barrage of questions uh, and write, write some of your favorites down. You're getting to the problem behind the problem. You're getting to the fear behind the fear. You're getting to the goal behind the goal. You're getting to the dream behind the dream. That's why they buy from you. That's what I have about that, Captain. Yes, and I see a lot of value here because not only will you be able to give them better advice by actually understanding this, you'll you'll actually understand their business, but you're getting them, a lot of these people haven't even asked these questions of themselves. Yes. So you're helping them clarify their own business in this conversation. So true, so true. So let's, so these are great. Um, I think people, instead of scribbling down all those questions, you have many more, they should just buy the book. <laughs> They'll get them all. And they can, you know, because these questions are super valuable. You've come to them through years and years and years of doing this. Uh, so you are a master of it. I'm, gonna, I'm going to be using a lot of your questions in the future uh, as soon as the book comes out. Now, uh, let's talk about some other elements of selling. So sure. you go through this initial conversation, you gather all this information, you get your client, your potential client to start actually thinking about this, maybe even in a different way than they thought about it before, because your questions are so deep and insightful. And then uh, when you give the advice, uh, what what type of advice? Is it just stuff that comes to your head or what type of advice? You say you're going to give two or three pieces of really valuable advice to leave them with. Yes. So that's a, yes. that's a big promise. You're making a big promise up front. So let's talk about this because I know that there's a, there's a school of sales training that says under no circumstances should you be doing free consulting. And I sort of agree with that, but I sort of don't. So Here's what I have found, and I'm sure, Captain, you have found the same thing with your clients and your audiences. Average people, average prospects, they want their questions answered. Really successful, high-flying people, they want their answers questioned. So rather than give advice based on very brief, very partial information, I will. I, the kind of advice that I give is, you know, there may be a couple other ways to look at that. So for instance, I ask what if questions. I ask, you know, uh, questions about, you know, imagine if there was an alternate way to get to where you're going, what would that look like? So it's almost like it's a, the, the advice is really coaching. So I'm coaxing the answer out of them. I'm getting them, I'm triggering their brain juices to think about the problem that they think they have in a completely different way so they can get the answers that they could not have ordinarily gotten to asking the old question. So I, let's be clear on what this is and what this isn't. I'm not playing games. I'm not being coy. I'm not withholding advice. If I happen to have like just a brilliant genius piece of advice for this person, I will say, I will tell you what, uh, if we were in a client relationship right now, I would be willing to bet that your next best move is blank and I will give it to them. So I'm not withholding that. I think a more valuable kind of discovery call is helping them ask better questions so that they can get to better answers, whether that's with my help or without my help. But they're like, oh my gosh, I never thought of my business that way, or I never thought of that problem that way, or I never realized that there was an opportunity over here when I thought the real opportunity was over there. And so it just opens up their thinking. Uh, and the more people feel that you get them, that you really get them, 
and you're on the same side of the table, kind of brainstorming and mind mapping, that kind of relationship leads to client work and, and being a customer and being hired or being invested in almost all the time. Yeah. And what you're doing is really smart because first of all, as an outside consultant, you have advantages and disadvantages. Your advantages are uh, that you are more objective about their business. You can see things that they cannot see. You have experience that they have not had that they could benefit from. Uh, the disadvantages are they know their business much better than you. <laughs> They've been doing this a lot of times, 10 years longer. They know this business. They know their customers. They know their problems like you don't know them. So to, for you, to, it would be presumptuous for you to say, come in there and say, oh, I can solve all your problems with three magic answers at the end of this call. You're not going to do that. But what you can do is start to play to your advantages, which are, look, I there are other things out there that you might not have thought of, and I want you to think of them. And you know, there are questions I can ask you being on the outside that you may not have asked yourself. You may have thought of, but you may not have gone deep enough, and I'm going to actually take you down that path, and we're going to see where it leads. Uh, that is really good. I love it. Absolutely. And then, you know, this is like, think of this like a... A Rolling Stone interview, Rolling Stone magazine, or any any magazine, Vanity Fair or The New Yorker, any sort of deep dive profile type of interview. The, the interviewers, and I've actually studied this because uh, when I did the National Speakers Association podcast, I wanted to really sharpen up my interviewing skills. So I read all these books about how to interview celebrities and authors and experts. Uh, a professional interviewer that works for Rolling Stone, for example... They will prepare anywhere between 150 and 200 questions, and they will follow their questioning path up until the point where they hear something really fascinating or really interesting, and then they will totally throw the questions off to the side and say, Captain, you just said that you slept with Elvis and Marilyn on the same night? Holy smokes. Tell me what that was like. So imagine saying, uh... Hi, folks. We're interviewing David Newman. David, here's the first question. You know, tell us about your love life. Well, there was the time that I slept with Marilyn and Elvis in the same night. Okay, great. Question number two. It's like, no, not question number two. You need to know when to slow down and when to dig and when to probe and when to really get into the weeds on something because they've said something that is either triggering you to say, uh-oh, that doesn't make sense or, oh, gosh, that could be a hidden gold mine or whatever. But the interviewing process goes totally astray when you read the questions by rote. So I want you to think about the inner dialogue when you're in your next sales conversation. When you hear yourself say, well, hang on, that doesn't make sense. Or gosh, I have no idea what, 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 what they're talking about. Or mm, that's a piece of jargon I don't know. You want to stop and say, excuse me, Captain, you just used the piece of jargon there. I don't know what that is. So throughout this entire interview process, and I really look at prospecting as an, and, and uh, lead generation and the sales conversations as a research and relevance and interviewing process, uh, we need to be strategically dumb and perpetually curious, just like a good interviewer. Don't let any juicy comment go untouched, unprobed, unmassaged. And then when it's time to get back onto your interviewing path, then you go to the next question, then you go to the next area. But so many people do this in a rote way, and they forget that the most important part of sales is the listening. Yes, 
That, that's absolutely right because they, you know, you they could have all the best questions, plow through them, and get nothing out of it. <laughs> like get yes. nothing, nothing for the client, nothing for themselves because they aren't listening. They aren't really understanding what the what their client is saying, and 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 then there's no real communication. You, they're not forming the bond that you want to form because the real bond forms when you actually understand what they they're saying, and that leads you to another thing and another thing. And a lot of those things are unexpected. They're unplanned. You, That's they, right. They aren't what you expect. And what you're saying is you have to be open. You have to be flexible. If you start to go down a path that's and you see it's leading somewhere, you know, put the questions aside and see where it takes you and see what you can learn, see what they can learn in the process and what that uncovers. Yes. So really amazing advice. You know your stuff. You 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 know selling. This is super valuable. You know, even for me, like an experienced salesperson, this is stuff I need to hear over and over. And this is not only over and over, a lot of the questions, like the way you put them is really well thought out. And it's a way that, you know, I may be asking the same questions, but not in a, a, as articulate a way to get the answers I need. Right. So uh, let's, we're almost out of time, but I want uh, to, you to tell me just a few more nuggets about the sales process, your book, what you're thinking of that our entrepreneurs can benefit from? Sure. Well, I think to really master a sales conversation, you want to also not only the journalist analogy I shared a moment ago, but also a courtroom attorney. A courtroom attorney during litigation never asks a question in open court that they do not want the witness to hear themselves say out loud. So people never argue with their own data. If you get enough data out of your prospect, right, never assume, never put words in their mouth, just ask penetrating questions and specifics. One of my favorite follow-up questions is, can you put a number on it? It's like, well, our retention isn't where it needs to be. Really interesting. Can you put a number on it? Where has it been? Where would you like it to be? Do you know what your peers have as a retention number? Uh, what makes you think that retention can be improved? So I'm going to get all kinds of curious but I want to have them put a number on it, dollars, hours, percentages, uh, profit, margin, revenue, whatever it is, can you put a number on it as a magic sales question? So as much as you can specify and, and cross-examine your, your person without it feeling like an interrogation, without it feeling like a cross-examination, uh, you will get amazing results from that conversation. Final point, non-words. Non-words are sometimes the best sales words. So they just tell you some horrible development, some big crisis, some big opportunity that they might lose. Sometimes the most powerful words that we can say in a sales conversation are things like, wow, who boy, really terrible, unbelievable. Oh, that sounds bad. Jeez, whoo, yikes, no, ouch, right? These words get people to open up and tell you more. So don't feel that you have to go right to the next question. Be with the prospect when they're telling you something amazing and be with the prospect when they're telling you something horrible. Really, really listen and acknowledge you're listening. Like if you and I were just having a casual chat, be like, wow, Captain, really? Gosh, whoo, awesome. Holy smokes. And you just keep rolling. Our job is to get the prospect to just keep talking. So final soundbite on that, a prospect who is listening is not a prospect. Think about that. A prospect who is listening is not a prospect. What does that mean? Prospect is someone who's talking. Get them yeah. talking and keep them talking.
I love that. Um, you know, like saying wow and great and just those affirmative things gives them permission to go on. Yes. And then you will discover, uh, you know, great interrogators, let's say, you know, in a court, whether they're in a courtroom or, you know, at a police station, wherever they are, they don't do a lot of talking. Their main job is to keep whoever they're talking to talking, right? Yes. And we do that by these affirmative exclamations that we make. We do that by repeating what they said. So you, they would say something, you would parrot it back to them, you know, the end of that. Oh, really? That blah, blah, blah. And then they go, yeah. And then they go on and on. That um wonderful uh strategy for sales and it's a strategy a lot of people don't think about because they're so tied to getting their goals done and they think their goals are getting you know them to say yes or go through all the questions or explain about their product that they're trying to sell those aren't the goals what is what you're saying the goals are to get these people to totally reveal themselves and in the process of revealing themselves they will learn something and you will learn something so yes. i I, I love the Socratic method for selling. <laughs> I would, you know, Socrates would, would, would be right on board with this if he were a salesperson. Totally so, agree. Um, why don't, um, I want to, first of all, we're wrapping this up now. I want all, everyone in the audience to go to your podcast, The Selling Show. It's a great way for them to get to know you better. <laughs> so look it up. It's on Apple and all the others, Spotify, everywhere, The Selling Show. And David, tell the audience where else they can find you. Sure. So a couple of free resources on our website. The main website is doitmarketing.com. Uh, all the companion resources, tools, free training that go with the book are at doitmarketing.com slash selling because the book is called Do It Selling. And then we also have some free on-demand training at doitmarketing.com slash webinar. I hope you enjoyed the show. If you liked it, hit the subscribe button and share it with your friends. You can help us create more great content by subscribing and sharing. Also, if you want to access our online startup program, our investor network, and our entrepreneur resources, just come to founderspace.com.